welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell podcast. I am, as usual, Jodell, and my next guest is a returning doctor. This is his third time on. I'm so excited to have uh, this individual on whose information is so science-based and true that he got me put into YouTube jail, and for good reason, because he's sharing truth, facts, and information to help people make an informed decision regarding their health. So listen and take notes, because this podcast could get pulled too. And as I welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Peter McCullough, I want to tell you a little bit about him if you don't know who he is. And I guess if you live under a rock by now, you haven't heard about this wonderful human. Um, Dr. McCullough is an internist, a cardiologist, an epidemiologist, whom you may have also heard about on the Joe Rogan Show and Dr. Mercola and numerous other podcasts. And he has dozens of peer-reviewed publications on the infection, uh, commenting extensively on the the medical response to the virus that's out, the virus crisis we have going on, including The Hill, America Out Loud, and Fox News Channel. And since the onset of the pandemic, Dr. McCullough has been a leader and a great defender of the fact that the public has a right to know the truth. And his podcast, The McCullough Report, is, sure, is, is a surefire way to learn more about him and check that out as well. So his recent book is out and with best-selling true crime author, uh, John Leake, and it's called Courage to Face um, a Certain Pandemic. That's right. So preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex. Welcome, Dr. Peter McCullough. Well, thanks so much for having me back on. Uh, just so the listeners can understand, we'll use the terms, uh, you know, pandemic virus and, uh, you know, the gen novel genetic products that people take every six months. Uh, yeah. as, as key terms, but it's great to be back on the program. I recently was the first presenter at the uncanceled, uncensored meeting in Las Vegas. I now have the distinction of being one of the most canceled and censored people in the world. I'm also the all-time record holder for the Joe Rog Rogan podcast, yeah. eclipsing yeah. even Elon Musk. So Elon Musk may have a lot of money, but he's not as interesting, nor does he have uh, the most information that people want. And that's the reason why I am probably the most sought after media commenta commentator on the pandemic right now, because I cite all the literature for the Joe Rogan podcast. I brought scientific slides and each one of them was carefully curated and referenced. So that's what the world wants to hear is they want to hear the scientific information as it evolves. That's right. They want to hear the truth. And you're all about the facts and sharing factual information. And I am as well. And so that that's why I wanted my listeners to hear from you. We're going to talk about just some statistics today, as well as like some information that maybe people haven't heard about and help them make an informed choice when it comes to their health. So with regard to facts, because I know you know them and you're up on all the cutting edge studies, can we start with kind of a rapid fire um, response to some statistics when it comes comes to these biopharmaceuticals. Um, and I'm not an anti anything. I'm not an anything. Like, <laughs> I just want my listeners to choose for themselves what they need to know based on the information that's out there that the media doesn't really share, you know? So, so starting with this rapid fire, let's talk about the deaths from this certain um, injection in mm. adults in just America, in just the United States. What would you say? Well, I could tell you just we'll just take the world first. On June 11th, 
2022, the World Council for Health, which represents over 70 non-governmental organizations worldwide. So World Council for Health is a huge, huge umbrella organization that's headquartered in the United Kingdom. They issued a global recall for all the products, whether they be genetic-based or antigen-based, uh, and they basically cite unacceptable levels of death that's occurring shortly after taking one of these. Uh, using the, the CDC system, the UK yellow card system, the EU UDRA system, and the WHO Vigisafe system, those are just four systems out of 39 that exist worldwide. There's over 40,000 deaths that are reported and this is thought to be a gross underrepresentation since so many people at the time of death don't have their card or their lot numbers uh, and the information, the, the family doesn't know what to do. Uh, this is thought to be a gross underreporting. They've called to pull them off the market. It's exceeded all, all other uh, events where there's been a massive global recall. Typically, it's just a handful of deaths for most drugs or even right. prior prior forms. This is, this is a, a massive number. And not only that, but cohesive with this is that uh, the, the products have a dangerous mechanism of action. They provide the genetic code or directly provide the spike protein mm -hmm. for the virus. The spike protein independently is known to be pathogenic, disease-causing, and fatal in the uh, unfortunate person at the wrong place at the wrong time. We know it's tightly temporally related. Within a few days, it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that it's internally consistent, that there's a lot of near misses, heart attacks, myocarditis, blood clots, neurologic injuries, hemorrhage. In a recent paper from Burhild and colleagues in JAMA, 7,750 intracranial hemorrhages or strokes within 28 days of taking these just in three Nordic countries. I mean, staggering numbers. And uh, we know it's externally consistent that all the uh, databases themselves agree. And then finally, in randomized trials, both now for adults and children, uh, there's, uh, well, for adults, for sure, there's more deaths with the uh, active product than there is with placebo. In children, there's actually more severe cases of the illness them with placebo. So the randomized trials go against the products as well. What I've just gone through is the Bradford Hill tenets of causality, meaning we know that these products are causing harm. Uh, in a court of law, this would, this would hold up on a more probable than not basis, which is 51%, or almost certainly at a clear and convincing basis, which is a greater than approximately 80%. So I can tell you, uh, you know, as a doctor, a healthcare provider, you're someone in the healthcare space. We now know that, in fact, we do have a duty, in a sense, to warn others that harm will happen the more people uh, take these into their bodies. Yes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most um, products like this, most injections, it, after 50 deaths, they pull them off the market, correct? Even, even smaller than that, okay. I've reviewed through papers about, you know, there's a few papers just on drug recalls, and it's usually just a handful. It is the responsibility of the manufacturer because it's their product. So uh, the FDA can guide them. Uh, it's almost all voluntary recalls. But we knew something was wrong because when the Pfizer dossier was released under court order, 
Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths after people took their product within 90 days. And the FDA tried to block that document from getting to the public. They, the judge for the FDA wanted to block it for 55 years. So we actually have a major government cover-up going on right now. The government is trying to cover up this problem that Pfizer and almost certainly the FDA knew about back in December and January of 2021. Okay, so now there's this this um, information about athletes, professional athletes as well dying. So the death in athletes and also the heart issues related to these pro athletes who took this biopharmaceutical. Well, it's true. Let's go over the published literature. There's about 200 peer-reviewed uh, papers now published. So we know the spike protein clearly damages heart muscle cells, uh, the pericytes around the capillaries. It's physically found in the heart uh, in a recent report. Uh, these are up all in my Twitter feed, P underscore McCullough MD. And I actually show you the paper and the, uh, you know, the, the title and the journal. Uh, so it, it's clear uh, the FDA agrees they cause heart damage, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, but also in the literature, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca also cause heart damage. And in the FDA briefing booklet, Novavax, which is just an antigen-based vaccine, causes heart damage. So it's consistent. It's the spike protein. Okay. Now in the peer-reviewed literature, there's papers by Gill, Choi, and Verma showing that it's fatal, that in some individuals, the inflammation in the heart is so severe, it results in death, sometimes death uh, in, 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 during sleep. Uh, so there are two cases in the Gill paper where two boys uh, and teenagers took, took the products and on day three and four after the second uh, administration of Pfizer, they're found dead at home by their parents. So there's autopsies, not even a chance for CPR, there's autopsies. And uh, in the Gill paper is backed up by pathologists at University of Michigan, the University of Minnesota, that in fact is conclusive uh, that, that they, it was fatal myocarditis. So uh, putting this together uh, in these European football leagues, uh, sports uh, teams, uh, you know, in the United States, it wasn't uh, so pervasive that everyone uh, took one of them. But in the European leagues, they did. We've seen record numbers of cardiac arrests on the field. About half are resuscitated, half die. Uh, record. I mean, the numbers approaching a thousand in Europe. This is uh, extraordinary. The two things you'll notice in these deaths when they're reported is uh, it's uh, it'll always be reported as a mystery that they died of natural causes or unknown causes, and there's never any outrage. There's never any outrage. It's not like, you know, we're outraged. We took one of these and there's uh, death. So those two uh, features are common to all these deaths. It's almost as if uh, it's almost as if a life was uh, snuffed out or taken away inexplicably. Uh, you know, one of the case in point was uh, Illinois Democratic Congressman Sean Caston. Sean tweeted that he was probably going to have his kids take them. He was going to, you know, really, uh, you know, make sure his whole family was going to do this. And he had two daughters. Uh, and then a few weeks later, his 17 year old daughters reported to have died in her sleep. Again, inexplicably, with no remorse and no antecedent medical history disclosed. I can tell you as a doctor, when a 17 year old girl dies, 
there's almost always a long battle with cancer, a battle with congenital heart disease or lung disease, multiple surgeries, mm-hmm. a, a battle with cystic fibrosis and oxygen and medications, or a fatal automobile accident, not just this inexplicable death at home. So there's a term for this, it's called sudden adult death syndrome. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it, and there's, there's a psychology to it. It's not that the person who dies and their family is likely in mass formation, meaning they're in a hypnotic-like state and, and they just don't express any outrage. It's like, oh, they die. And it's only a rare person who uh, is not in this hypnotic state uh, uh, is outraged and recognized the, the, the horror of this. And the example there uh, is Ernesto Ramirez from South Texas, uh, Hispanic man. He's a single father, one child, 16-year-old uh, a boy. And so the father hears that they should be taking the product. So he goes out and takes it. Uh, he tests it on himself first. And he said, well, he got a sore arm, but didn't see any problem. So he has his son go take it. And then his son dies while playing basketball, uh, has an autopsy and clearly dies of fatal myocarditis. So now Ernesto, who's not in this mass formation hypnotic trance, is out trying to warn others that this could happen to their children. So you can see these vignettes are very instructive on what's going on. Yeah, and that's the next statistic I wanted to ask about because I have a lot of clients that their doctor is telling them this is safe for children, but there have been deaths in children. And I I could be wrong at this point, but I think one document I read said maybe 145 deaths. Did I read that correctly? You know, I don't know. I could do a query on our system. Uh, I'm an epidemiologist. I'm trained in doing that. Um, I could do a query on that. It would take some time to curate it, make sure it's accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wouldn't be surprising to me if if the numbers are in the hundreds uh, because of the fact that, you know, the more people who take it, there is that statistical chance of fatal myocarditis. Now, some other fatal conditions that have been described. One is called multi-system inflammatory disease, MIS hyphen C. This is a syndrome where the children uh, develop not only heart damage, but lung damage, kidney failure, liver damage, end up in the hospital, about 15% uh, end up on the mechanical ventilator. This was reported in Lancet respiratory diseases, one will find that citation there. Uh, that clearly can happen. And by the way, it tends to happen in children who've already had the illness. Oh, so wow. remember, our CDC has told us in February that 75% of American children have already had the illness. So they're a setup for this you know, horrific uh, complication that can happen. Uh, once, once somebody's already had the illness, it's too late to take one of these products. Sure. So they're not sure. medically necessary. They're not clinically indicated. The randomized trials always exclude them because it's too late to give the product. So now that was in February. Right now, through the big Omicron wave and then this after wave, it's probably more like 80 to 90 percent of children are through this. You know that's the case because there are no school outbreaks. There have been no school outbreaks reported, no credible uh, spread from student to teacher with serious outcomes. And so we have a situation where the children uh, you know, fortunately are through it and it's too late for any attempts to use these. I'll try to put that document in the show notes that I had found, but do you have like an actual number that you've seen of deaths in children that you're aware of? No, but I'm aware of, you know, some global numbers. And I did testify 
in court uh, for Maine, I believe, where I knew for the adults, we had the data, more had actually died from taking these every six month administrations mm-hmm. that actually died of the respiratory illness. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. We, there is a paper by Pantazatos and Sullivan from Columbia on the ResearchGate server where the upper bound of the confidence limit for deaths after taking it, that would be everybody uh, through December was uh, 187,000. I mean, that's mm-hmm. massive. Remember, we only had 58,000 men die in the Vietnam War. This is far worse than a war. And we're doing it to ourselves with injection of the, the genetic code for the lethal Chinese spike protein, the Wuhan spike protein. Who would think of this? You ask it, who would take the genetic code for a Chinese protein uh, devised and manipulated in a biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China? Who would do this? One last statistic. How many um, injuries have there been by taking this injection? Just injuries alone that have been reported like on bars and stuff. Yeah, well, I think worldwide is between four and five million. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's estimated uh, the U.S. data as of June 17th, 2022, and I did testify on this uh, for the uh, Texas Senate, the, um, the number of deaths was 1,000, uh, the number of deaths was 13,388. Let me uh, get you the exact numbers. I'll just bring them up, Jodel. Okay, I've got them. These are U.S. numbers. So if you go to openvaresdata.com and then Toggle over to not all VAERS reports. Remember, VAERS will include Germany, Japan, other countries. Click click over to U.S. territories. The numbers through June 17th, we'll read them into the record for your podcast. 13,388 deaths. We've had had 14,259 Americans permanently disabled from these. 5,440 cases of myocarditis, pericarditis, these numbers are absolutely staggering. Uh, I, I can't underestimate, I can't understate this. Uh, there's never been a biological product or a medicine released on the US public with these disastrous results. Uh, the total number of people who've taken these and ended up being hospitalized, having to go in the urgent care office or see their doctor is over 320,000 Americans. Mm. Um, I mean, I I can tell you, uh, uh, taking the respiratory illness is easier than this. I mean, this is worse than just getting it. Nowadays with the Omicron variant, it's like like the common cold. I haven't had a single patient get anywhere near needing hospitalization now in over six months. Well, and it's a good thing that your book is coming out when it is preventing hospitalization and death while battling um, the biopharmaceutical complex. So to that effect, since we are seeing a rise in cases, why? Why the uptick now? And is this the same Omicron or is this a different variant we're seeing? Well, don't forget, Omicron was the most uh, mutated form of the virus. And so because there are so many mutations, it allowed for permutations of mutations, which are subvariants. So now we're into the BA4, BA5 wave, but it's still characteristic Omicron. It's very mild, largely in the nose, replicates about 70 times faster than Delta, as shown in a paper from Hong Kong University, uh, provides immunity against Omicron and back immunity against Delta. 
easily treated, you know, because it's largely stuck in the nose, we use nasal washes with dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide very frequently during the illness, about every uh, four hours or so. It works for the common cold. In fact, I have a cold right now and I'm doing it myself. I'm nearly through it in about two and a half days, which is wonderful. I used to have colds that last for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so you really have to use it and gargle with it too. Just very dilute. Should be the color of of kind of dark tea. That would be the Pavadone iodine. $5 bottle online will last you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I have one that I'm barely through and I use it regularly. So, yeah. so no, it works. And you know, so there's over-the-counter products. People say they don't want to get messy with the iodine. They can get Cofix RX or... Uh, they could use, um, I think it's immune mist, uh, a whole variety of products. There's clear, which uses a different xylitol, different the, uh, colloidal silver. There's a whole variety of products. They actually all work, which is wonderful, not only for prevention, but for active treatment. And I, I, I will never travel again without carrying a little spray bottle of some dilute povidone iodine. Because when you get on a plane, and you get in the hotel, you feel kind of viral. You're not sure. Go ahead and take care of it before you get a full-blown cold. I mean, a lot of people get sick when they travel. So uh, at any rate, it's, it's Omicron. It's easily treated. Uh, on July 4th, as an example, in Texas, we had zero deaths. Our seven-day moving average is about 11 deaths. There's been an analysis, by the way, that of, among the COVID deaths that are reported through the pandemic, only 6% are truly due to COVID and no other condition. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so if that's 11 deaths, that means we actually had one that was really due to COVID. It's just not going to happen at this stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, The emergency is is over. The emergency was pretty much over in February of 2021 after that big uh, hospitalization uh, crunch that we went through. Uh, But yet governments and municipality states have still continued the emergency measures, showing that something's going on uh, far, uh, you know, far away from an overreaching of viral pandemic. There is, there are trends going on right now uh, in the world that are very disturbing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we live in very difficult times. That's for sure. Um, did I read something recently that now they're redoing the the mRNA injection because they're they want to redo it, and it could be more of a concern than the original? Have I read that correctly? Yeah, well, a couple of developments. All the manufacturers uh, promised Omicron uh, uh, coverage with new products in March of 2022. Nothing happened, no delivery. Now there's a promise for delivery this fall of hybrids, where it would be genetic code coding for the original Wuhan spike protein, of which is obsolete. There's really no need for it but then combined with some genetic code for Omicron and combined with code for uh, rotavirus and for influenza. These kind of mixed products are very worrisome because the body is going to be installed with a genetic code for these serious pathogens. So, and they're not targeted. So, you, you know, uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the rotavirus, or or probably more accurately, the respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. You know, th- th- these are not ones that really affect uh, adults to any degree. Influenza that would be for senior citizens. You can see how this is all off target now, and I think the multiple use of novel genetic products, installing genetic code 
for adverse things that shouldn't be in our body is extremely concerning. It, it sounds like a bad idea. It is a bad idea. We've learned that, that installing the genetic code for the spike protein has been a disaster for the human body. The best way to stay healthy is not take on foreign genetic code. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much logical sense, too. Right. So um, you gave us so many good facts about the the product for children. Um, but also to that effect, is there something that parents should be focusing on instead to keep their children's immune system strong? Maybe you could give some advice to parents who had been contemplating this product and instead focus on, you know, these things to keep your child well. You know, it, it may be uh, the most antithetical thing to most parents, but they should stop protecting their children. The children need to play with other children. They need That's to right. have interchange. When children play with other children, they have immune challenges. That's how they keep themselves healthy. You know, a healthy diet, uh, avoidance of sugars and starches and saturated fat. So that means high quality sources of protein, fresh fruits and vegetables, lots of activity, lots of intellectual stimulation. That's what the kids need. Uh, uh, this idea of being isolated, wearing masks, uh, and then taking these uh, genetic uh, administrations, uh, you, you know, devised in, in these labs. It's just a horrible, dark uh, mm. time for, for humanity yeah. right now. You know, you know, there's no celebrations going on regarding these products. There's no, you know, there's no gala events. Uh, there's no parent groups that are forming where they're happy about this. No. I mean, it, it, it's awful. Just the opposite. There's gala events, marches, all for medical freedom. Medical freedom is hot. Uh, it's bringing people together. It's socially binding. Uh, the other side of this is, is very dark. And uh, Matthias Desmet in his book released, now available in English, called The, uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Psychology of Totalitarianism. I have it right here. I'll hold it up. I'm working on it right now. The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. you know, he explains that right now, it's probably a third, a third, a third. A third is in some type of brainwashed trance, like a hypnosis. They've been hypnotized by social media, major media, their family. And they're taking these every six months and they're, they're shunning others who haven't taken it. Uh, they are, uh, you know, themselves predictably getting injured and, and becoming sick with them. And they, they, they don't express any outrage. They keep taking more. Uh, they even get the respiratory virus because the products don't work and they get sick anyway, and they still take more. Uh, an example would be uh, when Anderson Cooper uh, took three of them. He got it. Bill Gates took four. They were on TV with an interview and Anderson said, hey, we, we took these, but we got the respiratory illness anyway. Should we keep taking more of them? And Gates says, well, yeah, we should take more. I mean, that's an example. They're in the third of what's called mass formation, where there's absurdity. They're, they're in some type of trance. Uh, probably Sean Caston, when his daughter dies at age 17, he doesn't have any remorse, no outrage. I, I mean, he must be in the formation. There's another third that, you know, see things going on, but they don't want to speak up. They're like, listen, things don't look right to me, but I'm not going to buck the trend here. They may or may not take these. A lot of them took them in the first few months of the campaign and then said, this doesn't look good. I'm not taking right. any more. And then there's another third that just say, listen, they have never taken one. 
That's me. I'll tell you right now, I will never take one best decision I ever made in my life. Get Keep that stuff out of my body. I'm healthy and strong. Th- th- that cannot improve my health by taking a lipid nanoparticle laced with foreign genetic code. It cannot. I know that I'm a doctor. <laughs> I would never take one of those. I want to make it clear. Never. Um, and uh, uh, that's probably about 18% of the country said, listen, no way. Another 17% said, listen, I, I took one, but I've learned, you know, I've either been burned by it or I realized it's bad for me. I'm not taking it anymore. So New York Times about a month ago had 35% of Americans say, listen, they're dug in on this. They're dug in. And so they're willing to walk off the job and get a better job or do something else. But they're dug in on this. We heard it from one of the top doctors in the nation, what his opinion is on it. So, And, and listen, if, if these were working and they were safe, I'd be the biggest cheerleader for this program. You know, they're they, they're not safe or they're not effective. You know why? Because the, those that are promoting them government agencies and doctors, they never give the data. They simply presume that they're safe and effective and they say, take it. And you say, wait a minute. Well, all these people are dying and being injured and people get sick anyway when they take them. And and they they don't have any analysis of safety and efficacy. People should understand something's wrong. No one can take, no, there's no product that everybody can take. <laughs> you can't have a pill shoved down everyone's throat or a needle in everyone's arm. It doesn't work that way. Each person is unique. Everything has to be stylized. That's what medicine does. So for the first time where we've been told without exception that you have to take one and people say, wait a minute, I've got an allergic reaction. I've got heart failure. I've got a blood disorder. And the answer is we don't care if you die afterwards, take it. And that's what the employers are telling people. And people are walking off the job. Any employer that doesn't care about their employees to that level, shame on them. For sure. And, you know, the scary fact is I know people that have taken multiple upon multiple upon multiple of these products um, to the effect that they'll go to an establishment to get one where there's no record of them getting one to continue to boost themselves up, if you will. So can you speak to any health implications of taking more and more boosters and more and more of these products in terms of the spike protein proliferation in the body? Yeah, that's called genetic juicing. And uh, and I was at a program uh, in Oklahoma where someone at one of the pharmacies, CVS or Walgreens, came to the mic and she wanted to confess. Uh, in fact, she cons- confessed that if people came in, no matter what their status, they would give them more if they asked for it, mm. that they were encouraged. So it happened in my practice where some patients uh, came to me and said, we want to travel. And, th- and they announced they had already had the third shot. Uh, I said, wait a minute. You know, this was uh, you know, months ago. I said, the sh- third shot hasn't been approved yet. How can you avoid a third shot? She goes, well, we went into CVS and Walgreens and we said we wanted more and they gave it. What we know in a paper by Holtgen and colleagues from Stanford in cell that the messenger RNA is uh, still present in lymph nodes in the human body at least 60 days afterwards. And it may be much longer than that. Okay, that's disturbing that it doesn't get out of the body very quickly. Papers by Bruce Patterson 
Banzel and others have shown that the spike protein is in the body for over a year. It may be way longer than a year. So it's bad enough to have the genetic code uh, hanging around, but the spike protein, which causes damage to the brain, the heart, the bone marrow, and the, and the uh, immune system, that's present for over a year. And uh, we have data that um, I'm going to try to get you the, the reference here. I love that, that. Like he, this, he's looking up data as yeah, he's talking I mean, to you guys because he I mean, wants to be factual. I love Here's that. a paper from the National Institutes of Health by Savavi and colleagues, S-A-F-A-V-I, that the spike protein directly causes neurologic damage, directly causes neurologic damage. Uh, to, um, uh, uh, I mean, this is uh, absolutely, uh, this is absolutely critical. Um, the a paper by Fertig and colleagues recently has shown that the messenger RNA is circulatory in the body for 15 days. We knew that uh, Ogata and colleagues had shown the spike protein was observable in plasma for 30 days. So this has huge implications of people who keep genetically juicing with these uh, uh, products. That means it's in their saliva, it's in their nasal secretions, it's in their urogenital secretions. This idea of they're with other people. Uh, you know, I've always advised, listen, no close contact, kissing or sexual contact for a month, but people keep doing this and that means other people are going to be affected. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is disturbing. I think the World Council for Health has it right. Pull them all off the market. It's got to stop. Uh, the FDA is involved, obviously, in a cover-up. Uh, you know, they, they did not uh, interact with Pfizer to get their product off the market. This is in the open now. Uh, this happened uh, under a previous FDA chairman, he's up and the new one's in. They're going to blame each other for this. This is not going to end well for anyone. You know, up on my uh, feed, my uh, rumble feed right now is former FDA official Gortler. And he's coming out with his first interview. And he, he just said, listen, I got to come clean on this. This does not look good. Uh, there is uh, malfeasance and a cover up going up. Recently happened with the Austrian health minister. He said, listen, I got to come clean. This is, these aren't safe. He's not working. Uh, you know, and he casted the blame on the doctors pushing this. And then on my Twitter feed uh, is the health minister for Denmark just came out and said, nope, nope. It was a giant mistake to ever give these in children. And here's the reason why. So you're going to start to see this all over. It, 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 it can't, and it won't go on forever. I think people can end this bad chapter in medical history quicker if they just decline these across the board, if there's absolutely no use. You know, yesterday, the Biden administration announced over 100 million more doses pre-purchased by the government for a fall campaign, for a fall campaign. I could tell you, we should end the fall campaign now and return that and get our money back. Yeah. And so it sounds like maybe there's hope for people if they're listening and they're going to be part of this one third that has kind of swept the fact that they took it under the rug and not talked about it. But now they're hearing this and at least what they can do is maybe not move forward with continuing to put right. this product in their body. So at the very least, maybe that's what you want to be thinking about as you're listening to this is, 
um, I'm going to make a, a concerned effort to not put any more of it in my body. Now, right, right. no, Jodell, Jodell, I wanted to mention at this juncture is a good time to do it. The hardest question I got from Joe Rogan, who who is a great podcaster, yeah. the yeah. hardest question I got from Joe Rogan is, why have 200 million people taken these at that time and not had any problem? If they're so dangerous, if they're so bad. Why do so many people take them and they're fine? Well, I've been working with a, a group of molecular biologists and, and uh, experts. And the, the idea here is that, that these were rushed through development. Uh, they're not made very well. Probably the genetic material is not very stable. It's certainly not very consistent. Uh, the lipid nanoparticles uh, are not stable. Uh, there, there were cooling requirements that have been variable. They've tried different buffers. And they moved to multi-use vials when they got into the public program. It means the nurses are poking needles in these, introducing air and oxidizing them. Um, our collective suspicion is that most people get a lot of inactive product. Mm -hmm. And so not much happens. But those who get uh, a, a large amount of active product without any degradation, they're the ones who have side effects. And that's the reason why uh, there's a relationship to the lots. So the, the lot numbers are related to those who are going to have side effects or die afterwards. And it's because those, so it's not getting bad product. That's the problem. It's actually getting good active product because it is what, what, what ultimately is lethal is the amount of spike protein made in, in what organ in the body. Oh, wow. That's, that's really logical information too, because there's so many factors that go into a, a product like that when it's right. sitting there and when it's being used and things like that. Now, this is kind of controversial, but can you speak to at all to the reports of graphene oxide in these products? Do you know much about the graphene oxide that's being touted as being in the products? You know, there's never been a scientific report conclusively showing graphene oxide is in these products. It's used in a lot of household products anyway. Uh, and so, you know, with, with, with uh, I think about 25,000 papers on these products, I think if it uh, truly was identified, we would have seen it. The thing that's creating all this uh, stir is that none of the manufacturers will disclose what's in the products. And on top of that, for both Pfizer and Moderna, millions and millions of lots have been returned because of contaminants and debris at the bottom. Hmm. I mean, it gives you an idea of just there's no good uh, clinical manufacturing processes going on. Japan has returned lots. They say, listen, they're no good. Wow. I mean, people, people ought, ought to be look, watching these developments. They're, they're there on the internet. There's press releases. It's happening right now. Let's talk about the fact that um, I, I talked to an individual who wanted to get the monoclonal antibodies and his insurance was supposed to cover it. And when he actually had them done, um, he got a bill about a month later that it was a thousand dollar bill for these antibodies because the insurance had changed their policy on it. Do you think that's in terms of like they, they actually work and now they're making them less available? Well, there's been a suppression of monoclonal antibodies from the very beginning. You know, that's a big, that is basically the theme of our book. Our book is not a medical book. It's a story. It's a story about the discovery of the treatments for the illness and how they've been suppressed by a syndicate of, uh, of people who are clearly and agencies that are clearly um, intent on having a needle in every arm every six months. And so in order, in order to achieve that, they are actively denying treatment. 
and monoclonal antibodies is one where in medical economics, it was announced in 2020, we had pre-purchased plenty of monoclonal antibodies. Every study done shows they're safe and effective. We need to give them quickly in the illness. Work great for senior citizens. I've been using them uh, since the start of the pandemic. No problem with monoclonal antibodies. What we've learned is, again, they're pre-purchased just like uh, just like the genetic every six month injections. They're pre-purchased, just like Paxlovid is pre-purchased. Mm. So pre-purchased means somebody's already paid for them. That means they're free. They are free. So what we're seeing with monoclonal antibodies is not only a scarce supply chain. I had somebody turn down the other day because they only had two doses left and they wanted to ration them for somebody else, but also scalping. What's happening is our, there is scalping. People say, well, pay $1,200. I had somebody say pay $3,000. And you can't bill an insurance company for an emergency use authorized product. They're free. They're emergency use authorized by the U.S. government for a reason. They're free. They are free. So this idea that suddenly, you know, they're going to try to charge an insurance company, that's basically medical fraud. Okay. So I could tell my friend, you might need to hire a lawyer for the bill that you got. <laughs> Contract the Department of Justice. You're okay. right. You can't, you can't do that. No. And by the way, you couldn't charge for uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson either. Mm. Couldn't charge for them. No, because they're emergency use authorized. Interesting. Now, can I ask your thoughts about ivermectin? Well, yeah, I, I've worked with all the drugs. Uh, ivermectin is in this class of antivirals. The first one we used was hydroxychloroquine, then ivermectin, now Paxlovid and molipirbir. The antivirals play a role. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, the nasal washes ahead of that work great. Monoclonal antibodies, great. Oral antivirals, the aspirin, corticosteroids, inhaled and oral, and then anticoagulants. That's called the McCullough protocol, sequence multidrug. But you know, no drug is really necessary nor sufficient. And recently, last week on the McCullough report, I had Dr. Chetty on from South Africa, who's clearly learned how to treat this without using any antiviral. You really don't need one because you can let the virus alone and just manage the, the, the reaction to it. And so there's different ways, but United States, we were a bit antiviral focused and I've, I've used a lot of the different products. I do have to say ivermectin, once we learned the dose was 600 micrograms per kilogram per day, and that we need to go for five, 10, sometimes 30 days. Once that was figured out, wow, I think ivermectin is, is far and away the most dynamic oral antiviral that we have and uh, very effective. You know, there are no large clinical trials that are conclusive. So we have some small trials showing signals of benefit, but a large clinical practice experience with, with ivermectin. Hydroxychloroquine still plays a role, I think a more modest role than ivermectin, but it's more long lasting. And the drug that's really struggling is Paxlovid. This is the combination of uh, uh, nelfenpiravir and ritonavir, two protease inhibitors, one chymase inhibitor and one protease inhibitor but uh, what's been described, actually, the CDC put an advisory out on May 24th, 2022. Note, I cite these important pieces of information. No government official has done this for us. May 24th, 2022, CDC health advisory on Paxlovid, and it's over Paxlovid rebound. And it's based on three papers, Gupta, uh, Acharnas, and Carlin. Note, note, I cite the papers, all showing in the vaccinated, the fully vaccinated, that they develop a rebound 
to Paxlovid. They rebound. So they actually get better. And then two to eight days later, they get much worse. And this, this has happened to our National Allergy Immunology Branch director. He came out and said, I had Paxlovid rebound. So, uh, so this is very important. I've seen this in my clinical practice and we convert to typically a prolonged course of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, you know, we've never had a health advisory issued for the CDC on hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. I testified in the Texas Senate on January, uh, I'm sorry, on June 27, 2022, that the community standard of care uh, you know, using hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, Paxlovid, other drugs in combination, you know, that's determined by the practicing doctors, not by the CDC, NIH, uh, or FDA, and it's not determined by state medical boards. The community standard of care can be as few as one doctor who's taken on the challenge to treating patients, and that each doctor has a duty to treat him or herself or a duty to refer. And I made sure that this was clearly established with the Department of Health and Human Services in Texas. People were confused about this. They were waiting for the government to tell doctors what to do. I said, no, the standard of care is what doctors establish. And we established that long ago. I've memorialized it in multiple key publications. Yeah, it goes back to what you're saying. Each person is so unique and they have different needs. So there's different avenues to go with treatment. And it's a bio-individual approach, but it's so nice right. that we have these options out there. It's just more doctors need to get on board with using some of them. <laughs> well, let me give you a great example in the McCullough Protocol, which is uh, part of the Truth for Health Foundation Home Treatment Guide and the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons Home Treatment Guide. You can find it actually on America Out Loud Talk Radio McCullough Report as well. But in there, I have what's called the OTC bundle, over-the-counter bundle. This is stuff you can have at home. So in addition to either hydrogen peroxide or povidone iodine, also have zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, quercetin, and then over-the-counter fomotidine or pepsid. Uh, fomotidine uh, or Pepsid, that's again, it's an over-the-counter antacid. We use it at four times the usual dose, 80 milligrams a day. Do you know in a paper from University of Virginia recently, over 20,000 people in this careful uh, uh, comparative study uh, found it was a 45% reduction in the risk of progression, need for oxygen or worse in those who took over-the-counter famotidine uh, with aspirin, which we advise as well. I mean, these are simple things people can do. Uh, I can't tell you how many people contact me and say, Dr. McCullough, I've got it. I've got the illness. I said, okay, go ahead and start the OTC bundle. And they go, oh, what should I get? It's like, really? You're going to wait till you're sick and then spread it around to everybody else while you go shopping at the yeah. pharmacy? Get your shoebox together now. Yeah. Follow the McCullough Pro. Be, get your supplies going. I can't tell you how easy this is if we hit it on day one, mm-hmm. on day one. Recently, my uh, co-author, John Leake, uh, contracted the virus. And uh, in fact, I was with him for a prolonged period of time uh, while he was contracting it. He started a, the McCullough protocol and literally was better within a couple days, never had anything more than some nasal symptoms, never lost his taste or smell, no pulmonary symptoms whatsoever. He's perfectly fine. In fact, he's traveling now. He's great. I started the nasal washes and my wife did Pavidone iodide. We did that for three or four days. We never developed the illness. So, you know, I can tell you 
uh, you know, it's a wonderful approach. The principles work. Uh, they work for other viral infections. As I mentioned, I have a cold now and I can tell you I'm nearly through it and it's like two days. Normally it would be, you know, two weeks for this. Uh, so these approaches really work. And so I can't emphasize enough that the data support doing something about the infection and not waiting all the way to being hospitalized. For sure. Yeah. It's not hard to keep these things on hand and just have them there just in case, you know? So now that's a good tip to keep it on, on hand all the time, but what should people primarily focus on naturally to calm down the uptick in cases and protect themselves naturally? I know at one point you and I had talked about sunlight getting, getting adequate sunlight, but what else would you recommend? Well, you know, it turns out that there's been a really, really important relationship discovered between vitamin D and the infection. Mm -hmm. So those who have the higher levels of vitamin D in the bloodstream have greater and greater degrees of protection from the illness. And if they get it, serious consequences, a magic number is 50 in the bloodstream, higher Mm -hmm. than what the normal range is for most laboratory ranges. That means most people need to take 5,000 international units of vitamin D3 Uh, over-the-counter per day. And, you know, during acute treatment, we boost that to 20,000 a day for Mm -hmm. five days. So we actually use it as therapy, but it's not good enough just to take the vitamin D. You have to get outside and get some conversion, about 15 minutes of sun on the face or the shoulders or other areas to get that conversion. So, um, you know, I think one of the best overall prevention measures is get outside, get fresh air, Go for a walk, go for a jog, go biking. Very, very important. Even if one has had some exposure, all that outside air is going to reduce the inoculum. And if you notice in areas around the equator where people are outside in the world, very low density of disease, very, very low morbidity mortality. Get outside, go jogging. The worst thing people can do is stay all penned up in their apartments. You know, where where the illness was the worst was in uh, Milan, New York, uh, Wuhan, all these vertical places where people, yeah, have you ever been to these hotels or condos where you can't even open the windows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible. So once you're in an I- indoor area, you want to make sure that you can have at least six air exchanges per hour. That's very important. And there was a vignette published by Inserm in France where uh, there was somebody who was fully, uh, you know, fully compliant with the mandated products. And he was in a room uh, with somebody who didn't take him at all. And that person had had the virus and it took about three hours to spread. So basically about three hours in a small conference room, you can spread it to somebody else, but it doesn't spread by, you know, brushing as by past somebody on a jogging path. There's no role uh, for masking or to be concerned when you're outdoors jogging or biking. I still see people uh, wearing them outside. Best thing is get, get, get masks off. I'm not a get against masks for doctors in the operating room or heart catheterization laboratory or for dentists, mm-hmm. uh, dental hygienists, or even for hairdressers, people working at close range. If they want to protect themselves, they can wear it. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I was kind of pondering was during all this rise in temperature across the nation, like we have triple digits in a lot of places. I'm wondering if that was the cause of a lot of the uptick in cases because people were staying inside because they didn't want to get hot going outside. Oh, so well, you know, I'm, just, yeah, you know, I'm just speculating. Just, but. Just what's responsible for the uptick in cases actually is those 
who are fully compliant with the program actually getting the illness. So it's all breakthrough cases now. It started in December 10th of 2021 in the MMWR. The CDC said 79% of Omicron cases were in those fully compliant. And now that's true. I mean, 82% of Americans have taken one of these products. So, I mean, so who's going to get the illness? I mean, it makes sense. There's not that many people who have the 18% have said no. The vast majority of the 18% are like me. I've already had the illness. So, I, you know, I even though I could get a mild case in the future, I'm not at any risk for serious outcomes. So what we're seeing is the majority of people who do end up in the hospital, which is rare, but who do in the hospital are ones who've, who've you know, you followed the, the CDC recommendations and taken them uh, in those. And that's been true in Canada, in the UK, Europe, South Africa, and Australia. It's just it, it, the program has completely failed. It hasn't provided meaningful protection. Uh, and at this stage, I think the World Council is right. They should be dropped across the board. And I think people, no matter what, should preserve their autonomy. If, if, if someone, if, if anybody listening to this does not feel comfortable with taking these, they need to say no, period, mm-hmm. period, and just stick with that. Um, with so many people dying right now in the labor market, we've never had a, a, a greater abundance of jobs. There are so many jobs open. If people feel cornered by their employer, uh, I tell them, listen, it's just time to get another job where, where it's not going to be mandated at the next at the next job. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dr. McCullough, you've enlightened us to so many good hard facts that people will be able to reference by going to your Twitter and your Rumble and all these other places that you're citing this information. You're not just rolling it off the top of your head. So I want people to know that this is factual information that's science-based. So please check out, I'm going to have all the links in the show notes of, of where to find you and how to connect with you and how to uh, read these citations as well. One last question, since we've kind of been, you know, on the doom and gloom side of things. What One last question I like to ask my listeners um, to, for people to get to know you a little bit better is, it starts with my favorite quote by Audrey Hepburn, which is, I believe that every day should have at least one exquisite moment. So Dr. McCullough, can you share with us what is your exquisite moment today? You know, believe it or not, an exquisite moment has been uh, something that has happened for me in the first time in my life is uh, my wife's father and mother for the last month, the last eight months have been living with us. They've uh, refugees out of Canada. They were in lockdown for over two years without any children being able to get into the country and help them. It became more and more difficult. My father-in-law was in the hospital easily for six months out of, uh, during the pandemic crisis. We got them in our house. He's 98 years old. Uh, he had eight months of time with his family. We had multiple family visit him. Uh, you know, I did the best I could as a doctor uh, supervising and looking after him. He just passed away on July 4th at age 98 in his sleep, a painless, peaceful death, not related to anything, not related to uh, the pandemic illness, uh, what have you. And I have to tell you, I think if Everybody listening here makes it to age 98 and and painlessly passes to heaven, which I'm convinced he's there now. You, 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 we can all feel good about that. We can all feel good. It's the first time it's uh, happened to my wife and myself. I've been married for 34 years, but it happened in our house. It was done the right way. 
we feel uh, we feel at peace that he's passed on, and um, and I think in so many ways, uh, death after a, a life well lived is a celebration. It is. It's a beautiful thing if someone makes it to ninety eight like that, and 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 doesn't have to experience any pain yeah. when they pass as well. So that is a very exquisite moment. Thank you for sharing that for sure, and peace for you and your family. So thank you. Um, thank you so much for your time today and your willingness to share all this information. And I will have, like I said, all those in the show notes. Where can people find your book, by the way? Go to my link tree, petermcculloughmd.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you can find the links to all the social media. I'm active on Twitter, Instagram, and then reflexively on Facebook and Getter, what have you. But if you get the book, the book is best selling right now in viral diseases, communicable diseases, and true crime. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, please write a review. We're coming up on 200 reviews, got five star reviews. It's a narrative, it's a story. It's not a medical book, there's no medical data, it's a story. And it's a very interesting page turning story. It's all true. But it tells her it's not just about me, but it's about other characters that you will know about out there. But it will help people understand the complex reality that we're in right now. Wow. Okay, cool. I can't wait to get my hands on that. So thank you so much. And um, again, thanks for your time. We will do this again, because as always, you're a wealth of information. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Jonah. Every cell needs energy to perform. And one way that I like to provide fuel for those cells and those little mitochondria in there is with methylene blue. Methylene blue is literally food for your mitochondria. It delivers oxygen into the cell on so many different levels. And if you haven't tried it yet, I wanna tell you about the product that I love from Lifeblood. So their methylene blue, lifeblood.co's methylene blue is my favorite for purity reasons for quality assurance, knowing I'm getting a really great product. I did a podcast with the founder, Adam Marafiotti, so please check that out. But also check out lifeblood.co and use my code, Jodell, J-O-D-E-L-L-E, to save on your purchase of their Methylene Blue product. I also love their magnesium. I love their magnesium powder that you make your own magnesium out of. So check out all of their wonderful products and use my code to help you save. Methylene Blue is also very anti-parasitic, antiviral, antimicrobial. So Methylene Blue to the rescue, get yours today. light bulb moment i have an idea for you how about getting an anti blue light light bulb that's right you could put these in your house at night and they would not allow any blue light after the sun goes down i have these in my lamps and i really love them because it's like this amber glow at night that's not offensive to my melatonin at all now you may um, know that i'm kind of a blue light blocking glass junkie in fact when i'm not wearing this pair i'm wearing this pair yes and when I'm not wearing this pair I might put on this pair (laughs) and in case I don't want to wear my contacts I actually have my prescription pair check that out you can kind of see that it's different than the other lenses this one's actually gonna have my big thick coke bottle glass prescription in there 
so that I can wear these and not have to have my contacts in at night. So yeah, I'm kind of a blue light blocking junkie, but what I'll say is that my sleep has never been better and it's as simple as putting on a pair of glasses or using a light bulb that blocks out the blue light at night or perhaps you want a little night light for your kids because here's the thing, blue light night lights actually cause myopia in children. That's right, they can become nearsighted if they're exposed to blue light after dark. So getting one of these anti-blue light night lights for the kids or for yourself, stick it in the bathroom, stick it in the kitchen for those late night munchies, which you shouldn't have if you're blocking blue light. That's right, blue light actually stimulates your cravings after dark. So by wearing these glasses, not only will you sleep better, but you may not get those late night munchies that are so prevalent. So Fit for 10, that'll save you 10% off either your favorite pair of glasses or the really cool light bulbs and night lights. Hey guys, are you in the Midwest? Are you in the East Coast? Are you in Brazil? Are you in Asia? It doesn't matter where you are. I would love to work with you as your nutritionist. And so just to let you know, I offer nutrition consulting worldwide. You can work with me anywhere. I have clients all over the world and I love to spend time over the internet with each one of them figuring out their specific needs. So your specific needs, what deficiencies are you having? What symptoms are you dealing with daily that we can address for you? So that's what I, as a nutrition detective, like to get to the bottom of. I ask you a ton of questions. We meet over Zoom or over FaceTime, whatever is convenient for you. And we discuss all of your specific needs. If you would like to work with me, just shoot me an email, getfitwithjodell at gmail.com. That's getfit. G-E-T-F-I-T-W-I-T-H-J-O-D-E-L-L-E at gmail.com and let's set up a 15-minute free call for you just to see if I'm a good fit for you as a nutrition therapy practitioner. Again, email me, getfitwithjodell at gmail.com and let's get you set up feeling better, lose that unwanted weight that you have going on lose those symptoms that you have hanging around and optimize your health as best we can.